should have had trusted the market and should have done some more due diligence to understand why the market is, why the stock is falling with large volume. So if I would do the proper due diligence at that time, probably I could found that the asset quality was very poor compared to what I thought. Uh, probably I could cut my position and take a stop loss. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Nafiz Alterik. Nafiz, are you ready to rock? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm ready. All right. Well, let me give the audience a little background. Uh, Nafiz is head of research and investment at City Brokers Limited in Dhaka, Bangladesh. He has eight years of research and investment experience in the equity markets of Bangladesh, and he provides his research to foreign and local institutions. Prior to working at City Brokerage, he served as a chief investment officer at Asia Tiger Capital Partners Asset Management Limited, where he was responsible for a couple of mutual funds valued at about 12 million US dollars. In 2015 and 2016, the flagship fund generated accumulated cumulative outperformance with respect to the benchmark of about 8%. He also had experience and expertise in asset liability management, having worked for Treasury Department of Eastern Bank Limited and as an assistant vice president in Royal Bengal Investment Management Company Limited. Nafiz holds an MBA and a bachelor's degree from the University of Dhaka, Faculty of Business Studies, Department of Finance. He's also, like me, a CFA charter holder, and unlike me, he is a certified financial risk manager. In his spare time, like me, he's an entrepreneur running a financial coaching institute where he provides training in the field of financial modeling, equity valuation, risk management, advanced Excel skills for CFA and FRM candidates. He also has been a guest lecturer at the finance department at a local university where he's taught financial engineering and advanced financial engineering courses in BBA and MBA program. And last, he's also a CFA Society Bangladesh volunteer. And that's awesome. That's my area that I enjoy so much is volunteering and have actually been to Dhaka to meet all the volunteers in the past. So Nafiz, take a minute, fill in any further tidbits about your life. Uh, I, I think you, you covered it uh, already, so I, I don't think there is anything to add. Perfect. So All right, well now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Uh, yeah, I think uh, before mentioning my worst investments, I would like to highlight the macroeconomic context under which I made the mistake. Uh, so a background story uh, would always be very helpful to the listeners to understand the scenario. Um, uh, so my worst investment actually took place in 2013. Uh, so if I go back a few years, we have seen a stock market bubble in the year of 2010 in Dhaka, Bangladesh. So to counteract the negative impact of the global financial crisis that took place in 2007 and 8, uh, our monetary authorities uh, went for expansionary monetary policy. Uh, so they cut the interest rate too low, allowed the broad money growth to an unsustainable high level. Um, uh, in fact, in 2010, during that point, uh, uh, the broad money growth went up by 23%. The private sector credit growth went up by 22%. Uh, at the same time, there was very lenient margin lending regulations. Uh, for example, you could take 
take a two of loan for one take of equity. Uh, so all these things uh, drove the stock market to an unsustainable high level. Uh, the stock market, the then uh, index went up by 62% in 2009 and 83% in 2010. Uh, then we have seen a stock market crash in 2010 December uh, and this continued in 2011 and 2012. Uh, I joined the investment industry uh, right after the stock market crash in 2011 May. And this is a very gloomy environment to start my career, but I can't time my uh, career. So in fact, uh, the market went down by more than 55% cumulatively in 2011 and 2012. So after being sold off by more than 55% uh, in 2013, I think the market uh, offered a lot of bargain opportunities. Um, so uh, in 2013, you had many stocks where you could take position and make a lot of money. Uh, the year 2013 uh, was a very difficult year for Bangladesh economy because of the political instability. Uh, we had an election due in January 2014. So 2013, we have seen a lot of uh, blockage, hotels uh, called by uh, the opposition party. And also at that period, in, in fact, in 2011, 12, and 13, the monetary authority tightened the monetary policy uh, to counteract the inflation and also maybe to protect the currency a little bit. Uh, so in fact, in 2011 and 12, when the market sold off by 55%, uh, many banks uh, actually got hit. Uh, in fact, the banking sector were sold off by more. Uh, so many banks were trading below their uh, book value per share. So a particular bank, uh, which uh, was my worst investment, a uh, private sector bank called National Bank Limited, um, had a massive correction during that period. The asset quality of the banking sector started deteriorating in 2013. Uh, so I understood that the quality of the company has deteriorated and the fundamentally the company was very weak. Uh, but I thought the price had corrected even more. So uh, the stock went down to Taka 15 uh, per share. Uh, when I took the position, we had a 15% weight in our portfolio. And the first mistake was assuming that the depressed price to book value ratio as an indicator of an attractive value company. Uh, I was still a rookie analyst at that time, uh, so part of that mistake was due to my inexperience. Uh, the stock went down by more after buying it, so the stock went down by another 15% when you took the position. Uh, so by looking at the price action, it seemed that I was missing something. Uh, maybe I was uh, missing something, my new, uh, market knew something that I did not know. So I should have had trusted the market and should have done some more due diligence to understand why the market is, why the stock is falling with large volume. So if I would do the proper due diligence at that time, probably I could found that the asset quality was very poor compared to what I thought. Uh, probably I could cut my position and take a stop loss. Uh, since I was a very inexperienced analyst, having two years of experience that time, so I did not have the right relationship to go for the management discussion or right experience to understand that at the low price to book value ratio actually was a trap. Uh, the book value was overstated that time since the company did not took enough provision uh, for its non-performing loans. So I got some telltale of that happening, but I was looking for information that actually supported my hypothesis. I should have listened to the contrary opinions and I should have put enough weight on it. 
um, it was my confirmation bias and probably some conservatism bias which made me more confident. And in fact, I became very overconfident that uh, the stock will bounce back. Uh, eventually, the company shown consecutive quarterly losses. Uh, the stock was uh, limited down one day to take 11.50 per share. Uh, remember, we we had a cost value of 15 taka per share. So eventually we took a 30% loss on that stock and it was extremely, extremely uh, painful. Uh, I learned a great lesson from that and I never made the same mistake uh, later in my career. Fantastic. Well, that's a, that's a real good story. And I, I like the fact that it highlights um, investing in banks because that's a different animal. If you were to summarize for the listeners, kind of what did you learn from this experience? What would be the lessons? I think uh, it's like there are four uh, different types of mistakes that have done uh, in, in, in throughout the story. So uh, number one is I did not realize that, that some stocks are, looks very, very cheap, but they are cheap for a right reason. Uh, the stock was corrected massively, but it was extremely overvalued before that and the asset quality deteriorated massively of the bank, I did not realize how, how bad it could be. Number two, I should have trusted the price action. So I could cut down my losses when I the stock take initial of 15% uh, loss, and probably I could do the more due diligence. Uh, uh, though we understand that in order to generate alpha, you have to be contrarian, but we have to be right as well. So sometimes the market is right. So I discarded that, the price action that time. So I should have looked at the price action more carefully. I should have done proper due diligence uh, and probably that could uh, help me reduce my losses. Number three, uh, especially when I've seen that in the price action that there is something in the market that I don't know. So I should have initiated a management meeting. I should have talked to the management. Maybe I talked to fellow um, analysts. Maybe I talked to, in fact, uh, one of my students that time mentioned that he had a management meeting. Uh, the quality of the management is very poor and he rated negatively about the stock. But I did not pay enough attention to it because of my endowment bias because we were heavily positioned on it. And the number four, uh, I, I misread the macro scenario as well. Um, in 2013, the interest rates were very, very high. In fact, the interest rate went more than 12% at the time. Uh, this affected the banking sector net interest margin. Uh, with deteriorating asset quality, banks' profitability can only fall. So in the coming years, we can see the darker days. I did not expect that interest rate would rise to that high level. Uh, with the benefit of hindsight, I should have had zero exposure to banking sector and probably I should have more weight to five and 10 year treasury bonds. Wow. Well, you've really thought through, I'm very impressed about how you've methodically thought through that. And I think um, if you, you know, share this with your students, you really can help them understand about risk management. Um, let me summarize some of the takeaways that I got from your uh, story. Uh, the first one is, this really comes down to a failure to properly assess the risk. You talked about asset quality. You also talked about the idea of maybe executing some kind of stop loss, but you didn't. Um, and one of the other, other ways that we manage risk is the sizing of a position, right? So, you know, yeah, we like this stock, but how big is that in our portfolio? And those are three points that I would, you know, go through as far as the, the risk side of things. I think the other thing that many people don't 
always think about, and I was a bank analyst for my first 10 years of my career, is that uh, banks operate on a sliver of equity. And the yeah. result of that is that if the, if the assets, meaning the loans that they've given out, if they were to deteriorate just a little bit, let's say 10% of the total assets, all loans that a bank has goes bad, that could literally wipe out all of the equity of the bank. And that's the reason why banks trade at low multiples. They generally always do. So even in a bubble time, the multiples of the banks will be lower than the multiples of the overall market. In fact, the Chinese market's an interesting one right now because some people may say, well, the Chinese market looks a little bit cheap, the Chinese A shares. But remember that 30% of the market is banks and they're trading at very low multiples. If you strip those out, you find that the underlying other companies uh, are not that cheap. And then also, you know, you mentioned, I, I like what you talked about, about the macro environment and you gave us a good setting. And I think it's really a great investment can go wrong because of the macro environment. And I think for the listeners, that's a really great lesson to keep remembering that you have to think of the macro environment. I think a lot of beginner investors, they go in and think, oh, I'm going to read some books on investing. I'm going to learn about how to value a company. And then I'm going to really apply fundamentals and I'm going to build a great portfolio. Well, the macro environment can crush you. And the last thing that I'm going to talk about is um, there's a TV game show when I was growing up and uh, I'm going to tell you the name of it right now. And, uh, You'll understand why I'm saying it. It was called The Price is Right. <laughs> and that was the name of the TV game show I used to watch a lot when I was a kid. And the fact is, is that most of the time, the price is right in the stock market. We've got a lot of people looking at the market. And that's the paradox. The price is right. But as you said, in order to be a successful active fund manager, at some point, you've got to make a bet that the price is wrong. And when you make that bet, you really, really have a high level of research that you've got to do. And I think that those are the lessons. Is there anything you'd add to that? Uh, I, th I think the key suggestions from these mistakes, uh, they, there are several key suggestions. Number one, uh, understand that there are a lot of value traps in the market, so don't fall in that trap. And uh, number two uh, is you already mentioned that um, most of the time the prices are right, so you have to look at the price action um, and you have to be very... Um, it's like cognizant about when the market looks like market knows something that you don't know. Number three, when you are investing in banks, you have to have an extra due diligence on the board, the governance, the management, their accounting policies, their risk managing policies, their loan right of policies, provisional policies. These are the extra thing uh, that you have to look at when you are investing in banks. This is something uh, quite a bit special uh, type of research compared to other manufacturing uh, companies. Uh, uh, listening to the peer analysts and fund managers, especially who have a contrarian bet uh, that you have. So you should have uh, this like uh, pay attention to their hypothesis. Um, understanding that you are a human being and a human being have uh, a lot of biases. So pay attention of your behavioral biases. Um, in, in my case, I had quite a few behavioral biases. Uh, I listed those down. It's like confirmation bias, conservatism bias, endowment bias, overconfidence bias, and status quo bias. Uh, in my case, it's like it was the endowment and status quo that affected me uh, a lot at that point. Um, and also, always you need to talk to the management to get a vibe about the management, how, what are the people who there, what are their incentives, uh, if there are any conflicts of interest or not. Uh, especially when your position is very big, you have to do an extra due diligence. 
And the last uh, suggestion is that uh, in investment, uh, the asset allocation is the key. It's, it's an extremely key decision. Uh, in fact, in our CFA level three curriculum, it, it talks a lot about asset allocation. So think thoroughly and make an appropriate asset allocation. And, and to do that, you have to understand the macro environment uh, a lot. So I did not have the enough experience and time to understand that at that point. So I gradually improved over the uh, years uh, in terms of understanding the macro environment. Well, I can say that you are serving your students well with all the work you've done to analyze and think about it. So let's wrap this up with the last question, which is what is your number one goal for the next 12 months? Uh, I think uh, in the next 12 months, my number one goal is to, um, as you know, uh, I have a full-time job and in my spare time, I teach my students. Uh, but in the, in, in the next 12 months, I would like to put a greater emphasis on my work-life balance uh, because personally I'm a person uh, married with a daughter. So, so she's uh, four years and uh, three months. So I want to have more quality time with her uh, because this is the time I should give more attention. Uh, so apart from my work, uh, I would like to have a better work-life balance uh, in the next 12 months because at this moment I feel uh, I'm a little bit imbalanced Yes, and that's the great thing about four-year-olds is that they let you know when you're out of balance because they cry and they scream and they go, yeah. Dad, yep, okay. Well, that's a great goal for the next 12 months. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. And as we wrap up, Nafiz, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Um, I, think, I think investing is a passion. Uh, so there'll be always mistakes, uh, and mistakes are actually the teachers. So we have to learn by doing mistakes, uh, but we have to keep, uh, keep in mind that we don't need to make the same mistake every time. So uh, <laughs> it's easy to make mistakes. Uh, so you have to be passionate about it. Uh, and I'm sure in the next few years, I'll make a lot of mistakes, but the only way we can improve is to learn from our mistakes and not to repeat it. Yeah. So I like that. What I oftentimes say is in my own business is um, new mistakes are okay. Yeah. Old mistakes repeated are not. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. I'll see you on the upside.